NBC Weekly. I'm your host, Scott Prerost. With me again, I have my sports reporter, Jacob Burish. How's it going, Jacob? It's going pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, big big week in NBC basketball this past week. A lot of movement in the standings. Uh, we have a new leader in the conference after last night's game. Drake has sole possession at the moment, uh, but there's a lot of games tonight, so that might change. Um, but first... We want to talk about the uh, the Redbirds, of course, and then we're going to look at a lot of the teams that are really middle of the pack in the conference, uh, kind of fighting for maybe that last bye, but also fighting for better seeding on the Thursday games. But like I said, to start, we're going to talk with the Redbirds. Uh, coming off of a 90-75 uh, to 75 loss at Belmont, um, not a great game for the Redbirds there. I, you never want to allow 90 points in conference play. That's your first problem. But you never want to allow 90 points when the team only makes six threes as well. Uh, you were talking about it, um, 52 points in the paint for uh, Belmont, 28 for the Redbirds. It's not not a number that you like at all if you're ISU. Um, obviously, Darius Burford, another big game, and that's I'm really happy with the play that he's putting on the court these past few games. Uh, the guard duo of him and Poindexter have really been playing at a high level lately. But regardless... That's not the result that you're looking for in that game. I mean, you wanted to see what you could do against this higher-level competition, especially after you just beat Southern Illinois uh, a week before. You took Bradley to overtime. You had that overtime win over UIC. But the Redbirds are they're a hard team to read right now. I, they compete with a lot of these really good teams, but then sometimes they don't. They play to the level of their competition, it seems like, against some of these lower-level teams, the teams that are near the bottom of the conference. But... It's going to be really interesting to see how these last few weeks of the regular season play out for the Redbirds. Yeah, offensively, they've actually been better, I would say, lately. Yeah, I would uh, agree. They're, they're, I think, over the last four games, they're averaging almost 72.5 points per game, which is up from their season average of, I think it was 66. Uh, but yeah, that Belmont loss, not pretty, uh, especially when you factor in, like you mentioned again, uh, the points in the paint. Uh yeah, Belmont, they, they only made six threes. Granted, and five of those came in a three-minute stretch in that second half, so that just propelled them even uh, further. Uh, Kendall Lewis has uh, really gotten back on track. Uh, I know last his last outing wasn't great, but o- again, over the last four, he's averaging 13.5 points, 9.5 rebounds, so he's been uh, getting back on track. Burford, first off, need to apologize. Uh, not a doctor. So with that orbital fracture, I was expecting a little bit more time off. Uh, yeah. Definitely thought there'd be some double vision uh, t- that would hinder his play a little bit, but clearly, uh, clearly not affected. Not at all, which is surprising, but great for them. Um, I think what they close out the year with. They've got Bradley tonight, then Valparaiso, Murray State, Indiana State, Drake, Evansville. So those Val Valpo and Evansville, those ha- like I think we discussed earlier. Uh, in earlier podcasts, uh, those two have to be wins. Uh, Murray, like I think, man, I see maybe four to five wins on like on on like the high end. Yeah, on the high end. Um, but this is going to be really imperative uh, to their future, how they close out this year. I think. Yeah, the, you look at their schedule and you look at the conference record currently right now. The the only team that they could like really logically catch is Murray State, but even that is a stretch. You're uh, two and a half games back, if I'm doing my math right, in the standings. They're 8-7, and seven. ISU is 5-9. and nine. Um, You do play Murray State at home, so that game seems to be a lot more important to you, but 
I mean, catching them, I think, would be awesome. But you look at their schedule and you look at the conference play, and I think your bigger thing is you don't want to fall maybe down a seed to the uh, the 10 seed. You want to hold that 9 spot so that you're playing a team like Murray State. Granted, regardless, we look at this conference and you have, like I said, Indiana State 9-5, and five, Missouri State 8-6, and six, UNI 8-6, and six, Murray State 8-7. and seven. It's like that's all packed. I mean, all those teams are very quality teams, and they're just they're, they're all going to be very similar in terms of how tough. Granted, every game's tough in this conference, but this Valpo game, you want to be able to get that revenge there on their home court. Like we said, that Evansville game, you want to close out the regular season with a win. And then you have Bradley, Murray State, Indiana State, Drake. So a lot of really good teams there. Two of them on the road. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, if you can come away with four wins there, you'd be pretty happy with that because that means you beat two of Bradley, Murray State, Indiana State, Drake, like I said. So, um, but like you, you said it perfectly, I think this is really setting them up to see what kind of identity Ryan Peating can give this team going into the future. It's his first season with the Redbirds. Um, I don't know that the expectations were really that high for this team. I think, obviously, Peden had high expectations as the head coach. But I don't think anybody thought they were winning the conference this year. I mean, it was clear that there was a lot of transition coming through. But by finishing the season strong, you solidify who you are as a head coach with Ryan Peden. You hopefully convince some of these key players that you have on your team that still have eligibility. Obviously, Seneca Knight and Colton Sandage, I believe, are the only two actually who are for sure gone out of their main rotational players, like their eligibility's up. You want to try to keep Kendall Lewis if possible. Those guards you really want to keep because you're bringing in uh, Johnny Kinzinger, um, a true point guard, and if you can have him come off the bench maybe next year, a little mentor for him. Um, But you want to be able to keep some of this roster to keep some consistency instead of every year flipping things over for the Redbirds. Yeah, I I think just closing out this year, like you said, on a good note uh, to propel this program forward is going to be huge because I would agree, I think on the outside, uh, there weren't huge expectations, but granted, like how many, like how many times does a head coach come in and like immediately expect like instant results? That just rarely happens. You don't see it that often because it takes time for that coach to build the program he wants, exactly. uh, he or she wants. Uh, so, yeah, I, I literally just think it's all about just ending on a positive note for this team. Uh, like you said, there's only two guy or two uh, players for sure that well, will not be on this team uh, next year. So obviously, don't overlook what they're you're losing with those two guys. Yeah, because Sine- like Seneca has been huge for them, especially uh, on the offensive end, and Sandage again, just another brings really good another shooter. aspect to the game. Yeah. Um, but since you're, I mean, who knows if they're going to bring back or they'll have the same core guys next year that there's always turnover, but yeah, it's just ending on that positive note. Yeah. I think it's going to be hard to keep everyone. Obviously, I think we're way too ahead of ourselves right now. Granted, I mean, like I said, I mean, the MVC tournament's still almost a month away. So we have a lot of uh, season ahead of us still, but just, I mean, looking at this team, you want to be able to set yourself up and show that you're the type of team that people want to play for, and I think that's what they need to do these last few weeks. I think that's it for the Redbirds. Um, the next team I do want to talk about, uh, one of these teams that's in the middle of the pack, like I said currently, they're sitting at fifth place, a game out of that uh, coveted by uh, behind Bradley there. Um, the Indiana State Sycamore is currently 9-12, and 12. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not in 20 women's basketball. But, no, the Sycamores are currently 9-5, uh, and five, 
five and two at home, um, which is where they clearly have their advantage there. I think it's how most of the teams are in this league. But uh, they had a rough stretch there for a while. Um, I think it was a five-game losing streak, I believe, there. They started 6-0, and lost five in a row, and now they've won three in a row. Maybe finding some of that rhythm again. They had a bit – Murray State has had a uh, a rough stretch these past couple of games. I, lost, I think they've lost two, their last two by about 50 combined or something like that. But um, we'll get to them in a little bit. But the Sycamores, I don't know that a whole lot of people expected them to start conference play 6-0 and like they did. I don't know if – I know I certainly didn't, but – they're starting to put things together, and I think they have a lot of the pieces. Cooper Nice was really good last year, and to have him back again this year is obviously a uh, bright spot. But this team, it's really interesting to see what they can do because, like I said, six in a row, five losses, three in a row, what's next? Yeah, uh, in those three games, in their last three games, they're averaging almost 87 points per game. Uh, they've got Kavasha McCauley, who's averaging 15 points a game, which is ninth in the conference. He's also grabbing six rebounds. He's shooting 38% from three, which I believe is, like, top five in the conference. Sounds great. They've got uh, Robbie Avilia, Avilia, Avila, who's averaging 12 points a game. They also have Cameron Henry, averaging four and a half assists, which is fourth in NBC. So offensively, they've been great. And even on the defensive end, I think they're giving up 67 points per game in conference play, which is second. Um so, again, they're hitting their stride. Uh, hopefully the uh, ebbs and flows don't come back uh, for, for their case because uh, especially with how the middle of the pack is right now, you just you can't, can't lose ground. You, you can't afford to slip. So uh, right now they've hit their stride again. Uh, I think what they one of their wins was against what you, you and I, I believe. Their bench mm-hmm. outscored them 34 to 18. Uh, I think they made what six more threes. They had more, uh, made twelve more free throws than you and I. So that's ground they definitely needed uh, to take over you and I because you and I's in in that uh, in the middle of that as well. Yeah, I would agree one hundred percent. You talked you talked about uh, Corvisor McCauley um, having a great season for the Sycamores. Uh, Robbie Avila, I think, came onto the scene this year. I don't know that a whole lot of people thought he would produce at the level that he is, but he's doing a lot for this team. I talked about Cooper Neese. Um, he was injured earlier in the year during their early win streak. Having him back is huge for this team. Um, but they're pretty balanced. I mean, obviously having McCauley there at 15.2, but then you have one, two, three, four. So five guys averaging pretty much nine points or more. I mean, that's always a good thing as a team. Um, but this is one of those teams where you need to make sure you're playing your best basketball right now because one slip-up and you could fall from where you currently are in fifth in the standings, and you could fall all the way down to eighth. It's probably the farthest that I could see the Sycamores falling at this point, but that, granted, that's a far drop. That changes who you're playing round one, puts you on different sides of the bracket. It makes a lot of differences. So this is the part of the season where you really just need to lock in if you're the Sycamores. Really, really every team that we'll be talking about today that's in the middle of the conference like that. Um, I think that's it for the Sycamores. Anything else from you, Jacob? Uh, I don't have anything else. So the next team we do want to talk about, the Missouri State Bears. Um, going into this season, I think they had some similarities to the Redbirds while – they didn't have an overturning at the coaching position. The roster itself had a massive overhaul. Um, a lot of guys left. Uh, I believe LSU, uh, Northwestern State, a couple of those big names that people were leaving to. Um, but after a slow start to the season, they've really picked it up. This team, very athletic, we've talked about. Um, and now, like I said, they're currently 
sitting in, I believe they are seventh in the conference. One, two, three, four, sixth in the conference. Six, so they're six, one six. A game behind Indiana State there. So right in the middle of the pack like we were talking about. And going into the conference play, I don't know a whole lot of people thought that because they had really struggled in non-conference play like I uh, previously stated. But Donovan Clay really picked up his game, 14 points per game in conference play, the only double-digit scorer on the team. However, similar to the Sycamore, 9.6, 9.6, 9.1, 8.9 across the board for Mogbo, Moore, Mason, and Trim- uh, Trimble Jr. So really balanced attack, and I think they're just they're a really athletic team, but sometimes that athleticism hurts more than it helps in a way. Yeah, they've uh, picked up some really nice wins at conference play. They actually picked up both wins against Drake. Uh, they have one win against uh, Indiana State and then one win against UNI. Uh, however, uh, the end of their stretch or the end of the schedule this year isn't great for them. They're three and a set. They're three and seven in away games, and uh, three of their last six games are away. They face Belmont. They face Bradley, UNI, and Murray State. Uh, those are four of their last five opponents. So. Their end of the season schedule is is definitely going to be rough, and especially like we've been talking about with most of these teams, like you like th- this is when you have to win, especially when it comes to seeding, to make sure you give your team the best chance to be successful in Arch Madness. Um, I'd say defensively, they've they've been great. Uh, they're av- they're giving up like sixty four points a game, I believe, which is third. However, they're only scoring sixty four point one, which is tenth. Um, but I think those two wins against Drake stick out to me. Granted, I'm not sure off the top of my head if anyone was missing on Drake's end. Uh, but, I mean, the UNI win's great, and the Indiana State win uh, is great as well. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule. So you have that 20-point loss to Southern, but then you have so you, Valpo overtime win by 9. Murray State, you lost by 3. UIC, you won by 4. Um, and then Southern Illinois, you lost by 4. Drake, you beat by three. Indiana State, you beat by two. Illinois State, you lost by ten, but you took that game to overtime. Uh, the Belmont loss is, seems to be an outlier there, 13 points, and your win over Evansville by 23 seems to be an outlier. But then, once again, Drake, three-point win. So a lot of these games are really tight. And I've noticed a, kind of a trend with some of these newer teams who are kind of getting a little bit of a different look on their roster. So the Redbirds, I would say Missouri State and UIC are three of those teams that really stand out to me where – they might not have the best record. Granted, Missouri State, like I said, is sixth in the conference, but they're in every single game regardless of whether you think your opponent is better or worse than you. Regardless of what you think, every single game seems to be competitive. And those are really fun to watch, but sometimes as a coach, that's got to be pretty scary for you because you're thinking you could have easily put this game away five minutes ago. Why is it still a one-possession game? But like we said, Missouri State, a really athletic team, a team that could probably scare a lot of people come uh, St. Louis because, like I said, they're sitting sixth in the conference. They could very easily climb up to fifth, maybe even get that bye if things fall their way. But if you slip up, you could fall as far as to eight or nine there. So it'll be really interesting to see how the uh, how the Bears handle this uh, final stretch with this different new-look roster, like you said, because this is not an easy schedule to close out a uh, conference play at all. Uh, the next team we do want to talk about, uh, the Murray State Racers, currently sitting uh, in eighth in the conference, uh, just, a, like I said, about two and a half games ahead of the Redbirds there, 13-12 uh, and 12 overall, 8-7 and seven in conference play, and uh, we had, I just talked about this when we were talking um, a minute ago, but their last two games have not been kind to them at all. Um, I don't know if it's just a slip-up as a whole team or if maybe these other teams... Uh, 
are really coming in hot, but right now they are just they fell apart a little bit because they looked really good. I mean, you had that. Let me look here exactly how I want to see the total of these past two games. Um, so it was a forty-three point loss at Indiana State and a twenty-four point loss at home versus Drake. So sixty-seven points over the last two games, and that's coming off of you beating Belmont by one at home. So I don't know what really changed. What's is it just uh, like an, an adrenaline thing over these past two games? You had so much adrenaline, and you just got worn out. But they got to pick it up a little bit because, like you said, this middle of the pack here is so interesting because one slip up or one hot stretch could easily turn your entire tournament around because it changes who you're playing on Thursday, like I said, or what side of the bracket you're falling into, who you're going to be playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, kind of like um, uh, Missouri State, their end-of-the-season schedule isn't great for how they've been playing. Uh, Right now they're 2-9 and in away games, and three of their last five games are away. Uh, They close out with Bradley, ISU, Evansville, Missouri State, and Valparaiso. Granted, I'd say Valparaiso and Evansville, again, should be wins. Um, ISU, I feel like that's up for grabs. Yeah, last then, game, I mean, ISU took you to overtime on your home court, so, I mean, you just got to make sure you bring your best game there. Yeah, um, I think, what, uh, they've got wins against Bradley. Uh, they've got wins against Indiana State, Missouri State, and like you mentioned, they split with uh, Belmont. Uh, and like last night versus Drake, they really didn't turn over the ball. You think in a, a loss like that, you think they turn over the ball. They only turned it over three times. They just weren't making shots. They shot 38% from the field and 33% from three. Uh, I believe what Brian Moore Jr. led them with 17. Granted, their leading scorer of the year is Rob Perry, who's averaging 16 a game, which is fifth in the conference. Um, so uh, it's not looking great for... Again, like you mentioned, how the past uh, couple of games have swung their way. They still have time to turn things around, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's up in the air. Yeah, definitely. Rob Perry, you touched on him a little bit. Uh, Just under 16 points per game. Him, Brian Moore Jr., and uh, Jamari Smith have been huge helps for this team this year. Um, That's why they were able to start conference play as well as they did. I mean, they're sitting at 8-7, but like you said, they started 8-5 then in conference play, and you had these – right before this wins, or the win over Belmont uh, on your home court. So maybe these last two games are just a fluke, maybe a slip-up, but this is not the time of season where you need to be having that because, like you said, I mean, this final stretch is going to be tough for you. You don't play great on the road, so you're going to have to find a way to uh, adjust. And uh, this two-game stretch on I-74 for Bradley and Illinois State, is going to be really interesting to see how they respond after a tough week, to say the least. Um, the last uh, men's team we do want to talk about, uh, the Northern Iowa Panthers, 12-12 uh, and 12 overall, 8-6 and six in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference, uh, currently sitting, <coughs> pardon me, at 7th in the conference. Um, they have had an interesting season, to say the least, I would say. Uh, really up and down at times. I mean, your two games against ISU, you had the six-point win at ISU, the two-point win on your home court, a couple close games there. Um, little tough stretch lately, I would say, uh, after you beat Valpo and UIC. Or you had a three-game win streak, and now you're losing three in a row. So you lost by eight to Indiana State on their home court, seven to Drake in double overtime, and I want to say Bowen Bourne is ridiculous. He hit a couple huge shots in that game to uh, keep that game alive as long as it was. And then you go uh, – 
host Bradley, lose by eight there. But that, those are some tough teams. So I don't, wouldn't put your head down too much, but obviously that's not something you want to be seeing at this time of the season. Uh, three straight losses when you're originally – you were eight and three going into that, so you'd be up there in the top of the conference if it wasn't for that. You get one of those. Yeah, Bourne's been just amazing, especially from three, shooting almost 45%, which is first. Um, he is averaging almost 35 minutes per game, which is ninth in the VC. Uh, they close out with Evansville, Indiana State, Drake, Missouri State, uh, SIU, and Belmont. So again, just a lot of these teams just have tough schedules down the season. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be rough for them, uh, especially with how they're playing right now. But I mean, they clearly have a go-to scorer with Bourne. Um, they also have Titan Anderson, who's averaging uh, 11 points per game and nine rebounds, uh, and almost a uh, little over a steal. Uh, but I don't know. Like, and they're they're in the middle of the pack uh, in points per game and points per game allowed. I think yeah, they're sixth and seventh in those respective categories. Um, but it's just another case of a team just not hitting their stride at the right time and just the opposite. But again, I mean, you have what they have six games left. I'd say again, not to pick on Evansville, but I mean, to be able to find wins against some of these teams. Yeah. Uh, I'd say Evansville is a for sure win. SIU SIU is going to be just tough defensively, just like with, uh, Missouri state Drake, that's just a tough. After this Evansville game you have on uh, tonight, that's just a tough five game stretch to end your regular season. Granted, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, it could like if they do well enough, it could prepare them for what's to come in Arch Madness. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that's it for men's basketball. Anything else from you, Jacob? Uh, I don't believe I have anything else. The last thing we do want to talk about: the red hot Redbirds, ten in a row at this point. Uh, most recently, a 79-73 win over Murray State where they were trailing by 14 at one point and were leading by 14 later at one point. A 28-point swing. Um, I keep talking about this every week. The defense, I think, is what makes this team different from what past teams have been able to do. And I talked about to you, I talked about this to you before the podcast. Seven of their – it was a 19-quarter stretch. Seven of those quarters, they held teams – the single digits, uh, starting with the first quarter against Evansville to the third quarter against Murray State there. Uh, and then you had a one-point quarter in there at the stretch, a four-point quarter against Bradley, a six-point quarter, I believe it was, against Ev- or an eight-point quarter against Evansville, I think. So just wow. I mean, they're doing everything the right way right now. And I talked to Gillespie after the press conference, or in the press conference after the Bradley game about how do you – keep going at this point and she said if you just you just got to keep doing what you're doing one game at a time was her big thing and I think last year she said sometimes they were worried about going ahead looking ahead and seeing what's going on but no they're taking it one game at a time and the next game this Friday game against Southern Illinois Southern Illinois is going to be a lot of fun because that there was a heck of an atmosphere in the last game when uh, Paige Robinson hit that a game winner late in the game against the Salukis. Yeah, defensively against Murray State, they really kept uh, NBC leading scorer Caitlin Young in check until like until the fourth, I think, in the last four minutes uh, when it was a little it was a little more lax. Uh, Caitlin Young really came on and uh, brought the Racers back a little bit. Uh, but after the first quarter, it didn't look great. They shot fi- or the Redbirds shot five for twenty in the first. Uh, Macy Turley finished the game with twenty two. She was a huge spark, and then Briley Pena for the Racers had uh, twelve points. She was just absolutely lighting like Turley and Pena were just absolutely lighting it up from beyond the arc in the first half. But uh, Paige really got going in that second quarter along with Deanna. 
Um, they really stepped it up in the third, especially. That's when they really just t- took over the game. Uh, I haven't really seen a switch flip like that in person in a while. Um, this stretch truly is just remarkable. Remarkable, I believe, what the last time the Redbirds uh, have had a win streak like this. Uh, I think you said 10 I think that was 15. Yes, 15, yeah. Um, so all you got to do is win the rest of the regular season and you break it. Yeah, it's simple. Uh, I know we've we've talked about at length how this stretch against SIU, Missouri State, Northern Iowa, Drake, UIC is tough. I know Kristen uh, is going to, of course, take it game by game. But uh, as reporters, uh, we don't usually do that. We usually look ahead uh, to see what other uh, stories are going to come. And, yeah, it's it's just going to be tough from uh, from our point of view. And, uh, to, I don't know. I, I it is tough. It, it, yeah, that's really all I could say. It, it's tough to put in words because, I mean, how they've been playing has been so special, and I don't, it's almost like unfathomable to think that they could go on another 15 game winning streak because that's just that's so unheard awesome. of. Yeah, like that just doesn't happen. Like again, it happened in 09010, but it's such a rare thing to see. But I think Murray State. Uh, that the Murray State game proved that they like once uh, there's when there's some adversity they, they can kick it into gear. Yeah, and that's what's scary about this team. But um, I believe I saw this stat earlier today. It was but so obviously in conference play, Mary Crompton has been absolutely ridiculous. Forty eight percent from three is just inc- or I'm sorry, yeah, forty eight percent from three, thirty seven to seventy seven. Um, really good numbers there. I believe she was seventh in all of Division One basketball in the season, and then Paige Robinson is thirty second. I believe if I have those numbers right. Um, so we keep talking about it week by week, but when you have players who can shoot at that level, and then you have the way Deanna Wilson is playing lately, I know I was a little hard on Deanna Wilson at the beginning of the year because I thought, I thought she definitely was struggling. I mean, she just wasn't producing at the level that I knew a lot of people thought she could. But conference play, she's averaging thirteen and eight. I mean can't ask for much more from her right now she's playing such good basketball and to compliment Paige Robinson Mary Crompton and then Kate Bowman's picked it up Maya Wong continues to do what she does facilitating and scoring when she needs to Abby Alzma has been very solid off the bench I talk about it every week Tashana Wright Gaskins um she doesn't always finish at the highest level but her defense is just ridiculous she has some highlight reel blocks so I think she had Three blocks over the last two games that like led to a fast break. She just blocked a three-pointer and just was gone. No chance to stop her. But this team is so well-balanced, and I think that's the scariest part about them. I talk about the defense. I talk about Mary and Paige. But just having players at all level who can play it like this well is just so scary. I think you. I think the thing I want to touch on the most with what you said is the Bowman aspect. So right now she's uh, shooting uh, – 13 for 35 from three, 37 percent. I'm pretty sure that's up from non-conference play. That's just been huge for giving Deanna more space to operate because then you have you have to close out on Kate. Um, and Deanna's just been able to uh, basically do almost whatever she wants down low. Yeah, because there's just not many uh, players who can defend her because she's going to slip through anyone. Um, and it's just all these players just complement each other perfectly. Like, there's not much else to say. This is a really exciting team. The way they're playing right now is it's something to behold, to say the least. So make sure to get out to their games. Like I said, they have home games 
Friday and Sunday, the last two of their homestand before a grueling road trip to Iowa where they'll play Northern Iowa and Drake. But Gillespie said she knows that this team is capable of fighting through the adversity. Game by game, we'll see what they're able to do. Uh, I think that's it for today. Um, anything else from you, Jacob? Uh, I think I'm good. All right, so uh, in the meantime, make sure to follow our Twitter accounts at the underscore vidette and at Vidi underscore sports, and uh, we will see you guys next week.